0: All right. Tonight, uh, I'm hoping that this culminates in a conversation. I know that's a big stretch here at Joyland, but, uh, maybe, maybe we can have something like that happen if we give it a try. So the beginning of wisdom, uh, this verse lays the foundation for the other one we're going to look at. And then the one we're going to look at is Proverbs 9.10. Uh, the Fear of the Lord is the Beginning of Wisdom. And uh we'll look at that in a little bit of detail. And then I want to bring you uh, an alternative, a little bit of an alternative thought to that that's maybe new for some of you. Uh, but I want to start here. So the beginning of wisdom. First Corinthians uh, one thirty, and I've got both Young's Literal and New American Standard up here. And it's because of one little thing. Uh, Young's Literal says, And of him, ye... Ye are in Christ Jesus, who became to us from God, wisdom, righteousness also, and sanctification and redemption. And then the New American Standard, which sounds a lot more familiar to me because I I read that more, uh, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification, redemption. The idea of wisdom from God versus who became to us from God wisdom is why I put the, the two different translations up here. There, I'm so sensitive now to when we have uh, choices about how we read a, a scripture, if there's a, if there's anything that suggests or leaves room for a transactional or a distance between us and something, I really Dig in and try to look at that and see, is that really what's being said? And so I was just thinking this phrase, who became to us wisdom from God. It's almost like I could, I could see in, in my head interpreting that, that God is seated on the throne somewhere up in heaven and he sent Jesus, which he did. And Jesus uh, died and rose again, which he did. And that in that act of dying and rising again, he was rewarded and taken back. And now that in some distant, remote way, has become the gift of wisdom to us. And the way the way it is in Young's is you are in Christ Jesus, and that's also emphasized in the New American Standard, but who became to us from God? You see the difference? To us. In other words, Jesus himself is our wisdom. It's not that the giving of Jesus was wisdom, and if we agree with that, then we're lined up with wisdom. So anyway, that's the reason that there's the two there. But the gist of both of them, I'm totally fine with, it's by his doing that you and I are in Christ Jesus, and Paul is teaching us that Christ has become for us wisdom. So wisdom isn't a mental or an emotional composite that we get and it makes us understand things better and goes better for us. It, it, it literally is the person of Jesus. Okay? And, and, and of course we have access to that in the most intimate way because of union. Alright. Uh, so that led to this declaration little thing in the headline, at the foundation of wisdom is none other than Jesus himself filled with the Spirit. And I went back to Isaiah 11, 1 through 4, and I want us to go through this, and I want to show you. So, then a shoot will spring up from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. Do we all agree that that is a Messianic prophecy about Jesus? And everybody thinks about it for sure. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. Now, this is one of the verses, probably the primary verse, that a lot of people that that we hang out with and and kind of in in our, our circle of friends a tribute as a um, detailed description of the seven spirits of God which are before the throne. They they go back and they appeal to this first year. I'm not qualified to say if that's true or not, if this is primarily a designation of those seven spirits. Uh, I am still of of an open mind about that. But what I do think this is, is it is about the spirit of God. And you can tell, obviously, the, the New American Standard translators felt that the same way because they capitalized the one spirit and then they talked about you know, lowercase with the other ones. Uh, but I don't want to get into that controversy per se. I want to believe what this says and let the details apply to Jesus because that clearly is is a true thing. All right, so we don't... uh a shoe will spring up from the stem of Jesse and the branch from his roots will be, will bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord rest upon him. The him we're talking about, I believe is Jesus. And then the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now the reason I underlined that and, and the reason I look like I did it with my left hand <laughs> instead of my right. No, I didn't. Uh, it's, it's kind of shaky, you know, on the screen. Anyway, um, is, the, the the promise that we're going to look at in Proverbs is about this stuff, that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, and then it goes on and talks a little bit about understanding. So what I want you to see is that in Jesus himself, prophetically, all the components that we're going to talk about are there. Does that make sense? So it's not me just trying to shoehorn him into him. That's really, this was before he... He manifests before he came. It wasn't before he was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. But this isn't a look back. This is a look forward prophetically by the prophet Isaiah. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So this verse creates a link between the fear of the Lord, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and how Jesus saw the world and did stuff. He he didn't judge by what he saw. He judged by what was righteous. So somehow this promise we're going to look at in Proverbs uh, nine ten is going to be a promise that we're going to be able to put some meat to, I think, and, and and that's what I'm trying to kind of set up for us. So do you see how this idea of the spirit of wisdom, understanding, spirit knowledge—they're all linked to Jesus, and they're also all linked to the fear of the Lord. All right. Now, Jesus took delight in the fear of the Lord. Let me back up just one second. Jesus took delight in the fear of the Lord. So, do you think that Jesus' delight in the fear of the Lord was primarily manifest in being terrified by his father? No. Thank you for speaking out affirmatively. See, so, now I'm not saying that there is no scripture where, uh, Yah, Yahir, means fear like that. But it also does mean reverence. It does mean even the idea of, of being connected and faithful in piety. So you're participating in this thing. And so I just think that, that if we, if we look at, at Jesus being one of the ones that delights in the fear of the Lord, that's not delighting in him being ashamed or afraid or terrified or shrinking back or withdrawing. So let's not be trapped by that concept of fear of the Lord. And I don't think we have to totally dismiss it. I was actually asking the Lord about that. And I said, is there any instance in which that kind of terror, fear is is part of this revelation? And I felt like he said yes. He said a person who is a fool says in his heart there is no God. And to have that foolish declaration challenged by something that makes them afraid is a step toward wisdom. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. I, uh, that's better than I'd have said it. And so it's not, it's, you know, we don't need to be afraid of the term fear of the Lord and all of the ramifications meaning. But even in that instance, to be, to be, ter- there are people around the world right now that would be taking a giant step forward if they were afraid that God was real instead of them
1: being confident that he's in, they're in control of him. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, sure.
2: Can you expound on the, what you got in green there? Okay. He will not judge by what his eyes see nor make a decision by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he will
0: judge. Okay, the reason I highlighted that is uh, Jesus said stuff like, uh, "These words are not my own; they're the Father working in me. I only do what I say the Father doing." So Jesus wasn't going through life just analyzing the situation the Pharisees were in, or analyzing the situation that the the woman at the well was in, or analyzing the severity of the condition of the lepers. He was listening to the Father. He was drawing from the Father. Uh, And the Father is working even until now. So for instance, and I've used this as an illustration before, Jesus wasn't caught up in analysis and a conflict about obeying the law when the woman caught in adultery was presented to him at the temple because he knew what the Father was doing. And so when he said, neither do I condemn you, he didn't do that in opposition to the Father. He didn't do it separate from the Father because later he said, these words are not my own. They're the Father working in me. I only do what I see the Father doing. So when Jesus said, knelt down and wrote in, in the sand, and then and then said, where are your uh, accusers? Uh, well, they're not here. Well, neither do I condemn you. That was a manifestation of the Father. He was listening. Or when he's standing outside Lazarus' tomb. He wasn't debating the relative value of raising Lazarus now or maybe raising him later or how sad was Mary or Martha or anything. He he just was, he said, Father, I know you, you hear me, but I'm saying this for these people. Lazarus comes forth. Does that make sense? So the example of him operating in the spirit of wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord wasn't to make him a better analyst. It was the act of him operating in union with the spirit of his father. That's kind of what my, my thought is. And it's kind of relevant to what I'm going to suggest in another two slides. Does that make sense? That's a great question, though. It's a great question, and I should have probably done that with a lead. Okay. So seeing all who Jesus is, and I know that sounds grammatically weird, but I didn't want to put what, because, again, I don't want to put a distance between me and who Jesus is, because he doesn't put a distance between us. He doesn't put a distance between you. So seeing all who Jesus is in Isaiah 11 gives us a key to interpret Proverbs 9, 10. And then I pulled two other verses or one whole chapter, uh, but two, two other sections of Proverbs there where this same idea is talked about. And I'm not going to go into great detail about that, but it, it makes a point that, that I think will free us up to consider what I'm going to ask us to consider in five minutes or less. So here's the one. Proverbs 9.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now that second phrase is kind of important. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. But in this verse, the way it's written, it almost seems to me like you could see those as two separate transactions. The fear of the Lord is one thing. It's kind of like that I offer to the Lord or whatever. And then the knowledge of the Holy One is something I can acquire later or I could see a person saying, if I fear the Lord, I'll gain the knowledge, which I could see that too, and I think there's some truth to that. But anyway, um, I'm not trying to pick on it so much, but you'll see why in just a minute. The second verse is in Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Oh, wait. I thought the fear of the Lord was the beginning of wisdom. So what I'm suggesting is that the fear of the Lord is kind of important, and it's embodied in Jesus. And it gives us a lot of benefits, but we'll probably miss the breadth of it if we're just going to try to be too woodenly literal about saying, "Well, I don't know. I don't know if I believe Proverbs one seven because Proverbs nine ten says, or maybe I can't believe Proverbs nine ten because Proverbs one seven comes before it in the book." You know what I'm saying? I don't think that's the point. So up here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Here, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise it. You could try to synchronize those two if you felt compelled that you had to make the Bible constantly say one thing all the time with no, no nuances. So you could say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and the fear of the, uh, Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So wisdom has to begin before knowledge and then the, you know, yeah. But I think that's a, terrible way to use the Bible. I think it's a terrible burden to put yourself under to try to use your noggin to try to make everything make sense. How about just this? The fear of the Lord, it's important because it brings this huge revelation of who God is. Wisdom, knowledge. And then how about this one? Uh, Proverbs 2, uh, we're going to go through the whole chapter, but this is just verse 1 through 6. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my command within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding, for if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. if you seek her as silver and search for his hidden treasure, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. See how those two things are linked there but but now it's if you, if this were the only verse we had on it, you almost inescapably have a big legalistic framework that you have to do this and discern this and do this and do this uh then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God for the Lord give uh wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. All right, so now I want to share just a brief aside of something that I'm gonna share in more detail. Uh a couple of weeks ago, Richard asked something about a revelation I, I I can hear that you got a revelation on this thing, Larry, how how do I get it? And then the following Tuesday, uh I feel like the Lord gave me a little bit of a clue, but you were gone, Richard, you were you were somewhere. I don't know. Probably the election, yeah, probably work in the election. And uh, it, it was out of another verse in Ila- uh, Isaiah, a real famous one that says, uh, it's the one where you'll go out with joy, and then before it, it says uh, the rain comes, and it doesn't return. So in the middle there is where it says, and my word, which is spoken out of my mouth, will not, it, it goes forth and will not return to me void, without doing what the the purpose is. My purpose is my purpose for which I sent it. And so I ask everybody, I said, what's the most important verses in there? And the reason I ask them that, I'm not going to take the time to do that exercise tonight, but we'll get into it eventually here. Uh, But the reason I ask it is because I realized that that verse, to me, for most of my life growing up, as a young assembly of God pastor and vineyard pastor and stuff, the most important word there was the work. Meaning, when I read my word, I meant I, I translated that in my mind the Bible, and then I realized shortly after that. And then looking back on my my life, I realized how much heartache comes to people who narrow the definition down to that, disassociate it from God, make the Bible a standalone promise machine, and then they get disappointed when when their Bible, the words of their Bible, don't go forth from, they do go forth from their mouth in in a confession, but they don't necessarily return to them with the purpose that their mouth and their mind and their heart and their hopes put them out. Now, I'm not trying to undermine the idea of believing the Scripture for promises, but what I am saying is that I was looking in there and I was going, wow, that's a terrible burden to put on that passage from Isaiah because it's a very different thing that to suggest that I can... Choose a passage out of here, make it my own, send it out for a purpose of my own, and that that has the same weight as God saying, my word, which comes out of my mouth to accomplish my purpose, which is sent from my things, will not return to me void. But it's, so plugging yourself in to a scripture that's about God automatically probably diminishes the horsepower of that scripture. Now, where are we in relationship to that? This was the thing. So if we were to look seriously at what is the most important word in there? Well, it's my. God is speaking in the first person. My word, my purposes, my sending, my my return, you know, this kind of stuff. But that doesn't leave us out in the dark because the very next verse says, and you, we will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And the mountains and the hills will clap their hands and all this kind of stuff. So I, I personally, Richard, have started looking, and you, you heard this on Tuesday, but I've started looking for where's God in these promises and these verses and these doctrines and these thoughts? Where is he? And then I try to let that be the focus, that be the security, that be the, the horsepower behind it, and then see where now where that comes for me, where that fits for me. And so, I, anyway, we'll do that in a better job of that in more detail. But here we go. So we see the fear of the Lord in all three of these verses, right? Okay. We see wisdom scattered throughout them all. We see knowledge, the knowledge of God scattered throughout them all. And understanding is not in Proverbs 1-7. You could make a case that the concept of instruction is toward understanding. Uh, But it's not necessary. I'm not trying to shoehorn it in. But you can see understanding is everywhere else. Now, here's the the rest of this chapter. So listen to this. This is where it gets important. And this is a little bit about that same thing you asked the question about, about what's the relevance of how he judged what he did. So he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield. We're talking about God. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of the godly ones. That's us then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil from the man who speaks perverse things. Now, here's the point, which is good to follow what I just said about Isaiah uh, 11. Do you see that we are included in here? We don't have to fulfill God's role for him through some sort of grit Oriented faith. He's going to do what he's going to do. And we are going to benefit because that's his heart towards us. That's what it means to be in union with God. Is he's with us to accomplish his purposes, his word, his meaning. So uh, discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the evil, uh, from men who speak perverse things, from those who leave the path of the upright to walk in darkness who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil. Yes, there are people that do that, but that doesn't disqualify God, nor does it isolate us from the blessing and the goodness of him. Now, I don't know how it works out all the time, but I, I, I'm getting the fact that this thing we're talking about now, the, the uh, fear of the Lord leading being the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy being the understanding and so on, it, it's relevant to everyday life to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets her covenant. There's there's not much more organic and gritty than somebody's life who falls apart because of an affair or falls apart because of indiscretion or something like that. Uh, that leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God for her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. No one... Goes to her return again. They do not reach the path of life. So you will walk in the way of good men. So the alternative is you will walk in the way of good men and keep the path of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land, and blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and treacherous will be excluded. So there are consequences that's real about this idea of the knowledge of God, the understanding of God, the uh, fear of the Lord, and all this kind of stuff. So that's really all I was trying to point out is that this isn't just an, uh, uh this isn't a, a extracted religious parameter, and it's not just a a spiritual formula for something. It's real life engaged in union with, I think, Jesus. Okay, so you can see that the foundation of wisdom, understanding, knowledge is Jesus himself and his fear. Now, what I mentioned, alluded to a little earlier is who does he fear? Well, he's talking about God, right? He's talking about the Father. The, the the shoot and offspring of Jesse fears the Lord. But that's what I was alluding to earlier. So then the shoot and spring up and, and wisdom, understanding, knowledge, fear of the Lord. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. Let's let the example of Jesus' fear of God be ours. He wasn't shrinking. He wasn't hiding. He was revering. He was honoring. Let's let him you know, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Let's see that. Let's try to understand it this way as we look at it tonight. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.30, we already looked at that. By his doing, you are in Christ. So now this makes this, to me, easier to not feel real transactional about. So God, by your doing, Father, by your doing, I'm in Christ. I didn't end up in Christ as a result of my own brilliance and effort or humility or repentance or anything. All those things play a role. in it. But you're the one that's doing this, getting me in Christ. And now that I'm in Christ, he has become wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification. Jesus is this for us. Is that going to change our life? Yes. Is it going to manifest on the outside in our decisions and our walk? Yes. But who's the author and finisher of our faith? That would be Jesus. Who's the one who works in us to will and do according to his good pleasure? That would be God. Who is the one that affirms that we are children of God, that would be the spirit of God in our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. We are not the source of our own life in God. We are recipients of it. We are believers in it. We are experiencers of it. And so let's just allow that to also fit what our expectation is about ourselves concerning the fear of the Lord. We are beneficiaries of Jesus' fear of the Lord.
1: You got to come up here.
0: So folks can hear you on the Zoom.
3: Um, real quick, um, when I thought think about the word fear, I'm also there's another. Um, will turn it off. Yeah, there's another meaning for fear is being amazed, you know, also, uh-huh. you know, all of God, oh, yeah, absolutely. so I, I can't really see Jesus being afraid of God, but he may be amazed by God, yeah, and so using that perspective, it really fit into what you're saying,, uh-huh. that we should be like Jesus where we really amazed at God and yeah. be awed by God and, and the Father didn't then receive his blessing because we saw all that he's capable, able, and he's amazing, and I. That guy's amazing. He can do it. You know what I mean?
1: Amen. You well, know, I didn't I, say absolutely. I have to do it. Yeah. He do it.
0: That's good. And I don't even I am not saying we need to be afraid of any of it. i just that's brilliant. That and that is definitely the way the word's used a number of times, both in the Old Testament and New Testament. in all situations. Sorry about that. Here on. Um, the last one down there, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy one's understanding. So all of that to lay the foundation for the one point I want to make tonight and I want to have a discussion about, and that's this. So uh you guys most of you know who Steve Baxter Kruger is. I've talked to him about him a lot, some of us have seen him, met him, been with him. Uh so Baxter Kruger is the the chief cook and bottle washer at a place called Peracoresis, which uh he's a theologian. Uh he, he came out of a Reformed Church. He is a Trinitarian theologian, he's smart, he's regular, I like him a lot, and uh I'm Privileged in a small way to call him a friend. Uh, so Baxter Kruger has a version that he promotes of Proverbs 9.10, a, a translation, if you will, or a, uh, a paraphrase. So Proverbs 9.10 in the New American Standard is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The part that Baxter... Paraphrased in a different way is the first half of that verse. And here it is. The recognition of the sacred presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in every person, moment, and place is the beginning of wisdom. And then in your mind, you can go ahead and add. And the knowledge, or think back to what we talked about in the in the, the root of Gnosko, Then that one of the elements of that is perception. One of the elements of gnosko is to perceive, to experience, to notice. It's the same same kind of word. And so it could be the recognition. If Larry was going to jump in and presume presume on the whole process to add my own little thought, the recognition of the sacred presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in every person, moment, and place is the beginning of wisdom, and noticing the
1: Holy One is understand in those persons, places, and things.
0: All right, so that's Baxter's version of that. What I want us to do tonight is discuss the differences in how those two sound and feel. Second, I want to discuss the possible legitimacy of what Baxter is suggesting and to do that honestly we would also have to be open to the fact that
1: you might think uh no i don't think i don't think that captures the truth of it
0: uh and the potential merits if we do think that that it's real of Baxter's understanding in the version of this verse and the revelation that it releases and particularly that last part i hope we can get to it the revelation about us about god about wisdom about understanding that that might release. So do you understand what the question is? I'd love to hear your thoughts, and I know I just showed it to you 45 seconds ago. But uh, the recognition of the sacred presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in every person, moment, and place is the beginning of wisdom and the, the, the noticing of God, the Holy is understanding. Zoomers, anybody got a thought? Richard's coming up here to get us started, but uh, don't hesitate to jump in if you would like to. Hi, Tim, and Meg.
4: Um, <clears throat> the fear of the Lord, that phrase, is always difficult for believers because I always go to fear as in something negative. Yeah. So the recognition of the sacred presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in every person moment is so much easier to understand and comprehend. Yeah. Um So, yeah, and I've always, it took me a long time to, to understand that fear of the Lord. I mean, it was because I just couldn't get over the
0: the, the negative the thing. That we mostly use fear for. Yeah. Do you think it's was it was it a part of that getting over that? Was it helpful to realize that Jesus prophetically and in real life delighted in the fear of the Lord, and so he obviously wasn't terrified of his father. Yeah. He wasn't hiding from his father. Right. Yeah. But it
4: it was that mind thing that I had to go through, and and it was and it was uh, a pro. It was a process because oh yeah, that isn't what. It, and that isn't what it means. It means this over here.
0: So then, would you say that uh, obviously you would you would be able to say and probably have said the reverence of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. But would you say that, that Baxter is legitimate going as far as he goes, saying the recognition of the presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit?
4: Well, it rings truer to my spirit.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay.
4: Than anything
0: else. Cool. Good. All right, Jason.
5: I do think that it rings true because I've thought about this a little bit and I shared with you even earlier what I was taught when I see fear of the Lord, a translation of that, which you mentioned Uh reverence. So if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, it's it's perfect love that casts out fear.
0: That does create a bit of a problem <laughs> if, if you, you try to juxtaposition those things. It
5: together. does, but perfect love goes with the recognition of the Father, the Son, the okay. Holy Spirit, their relationship with one another and with us, and that we are in the middle of that, in Baxter's words, great dance.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: So it completely makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, even the, the passage that you cited it, it, it talks about, and we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. So that's the, the passage in which perfect love casts out fear. It's the same same dialogue that John is doing in John chapter four. Okay, so you 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 vote that this is legitimate,
1: yes,
0: and that we'll talk
1: a little bit about
6: how it captures. Yeah, okay, Dave. I believe that there's such a thing as a healthy fear,
1: uh-huh.
6: right? considering you might do something and then play the movie forward and realize, no, there's a better way to do it, or maybe I shouldn't do that. You know, having those fearful moments of, if I do this thing, the law might catch up with me. I think there is a healthy fear, and I think there is a healthy fear of the Lord, as he's looking over our shoulder you know watching us i mean he sees what we do he knows what we're going to do right. before we even do it right but so you know that pause for a moment of thinking your ideas or your thoughts or what words are going to come out of your mouth thinking those things through i think is is a is a good thing and now i also understand how Baxter got to where he is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like Richard said, I think it's 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 easier on the spirit. And as I'm as uh you were going through it, I thought, oh wow, yeah, you know, I could see that. But I don't necessarily agree with it. I think that, and I think there's other versions of Proverbs 9 10 that you could probably pull out that might be a little bit different.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: I'm not saying that. Baxter's version version isn't legitimate, but I would go more with the original.
0: the 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 more common uh, other translations go with the idea of reverence. Uh, so, uh, right. you know, like New English and Revised Standard, some of those they they focus more on the reverent kind mm-hmm. of idea. Which do you think competes more with what you consider to be a healthy? a fear that acts as a deterrent or a thoughtful thing. And I'm not disagreeing that that's a good thing. But the idea of thinking in terms of the word reverence or the idea of making it a personal recognition of or encounter with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
1: Oh, wow. Um...
0: In other words, which would still retain the weight of the good part? Without causing somebody to be afraid to, just oh, I think come it would
6: be the recognition portion, not okay. necessarily the reverence. Um, reverence to me is a little bit different. I, you know, and again, I think you can make a make an argument for Baxter's version, understanding recognizing that, right? Instead of saying the fear of the Lord, recognizing that He is there, He is a part of me, He is me, I am in Him, mm-hmm. right? And so there's that recognition portion of it.
0: Um, so. Okay. No, that's good. That's good. I, and, and so you're not wanting to lose the, the traditional deterrent
6: that, right.
0: that being, yeah. you know, being afraid to displease him or this or the other is, but the other has a place. Correct. Okay. Cool. Excellent. Great take.
2: I don't have a problem with the first part. I'm being stretched, or I feel like he's stretching the second part.
7: Which, which part? I'm sorry.
2: The recognition of the sacred presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Okay. And then he goes on. I feel like he's kind of adding more than the dens there. In every person, moment, and place.
0: Oh, I see. Okay.
2: I mean, I I look at some of the situations of our day. Horrible evil going on in places. And in moments of time and in people even. So to say that... He's there? I'm not saying he's not there. Okay. I'm not saying because... Okay. God's everywhere. But I just, the way he's linking that it is, it, I don't know. It doesn't jive with me exactly. So,
1: If he yeah. is there,
0: what would be the advantage to not recognizing him as there?
2: Ask that again.
0: If If you do believe that the presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is somehow present even in those horrible situations, what would be the advantage to not recognizing Him there? In other words, what I'm guessing is it feels almost like that second statement is sort of endorsing His presence there without really dealing with the horrible situation.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say.
0: And and so... um Would there be an advantage to intentionally being blind
1: to his presence in a difficult situation or an evil situation or an abusive situation?
2: I guess I'm not following your question.
0: Can somebody help me? You,
2: are you asking the person who's doing that if they're ignorant no, I'm asking of his you. presence?
0: I'm asking you. Would there be an advantage to, like, like, what, what would be the advantage if we believe that God is in it, not recognizing it?
2: What would be the advantage of seeing the Lord in those evil situations? Is that what you're asking me? Uh,
0: but ch- choosing not to acknowledge it. In other words, go, let's go back to another scripture. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, He will mm. correct your paths. The acknowledgement, the, the acknowledgement seems to be a part of the correction. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, if I if I admit the first part, uh, then it seems like in the horrible situations, it's even more important to recognize the second part. <clears throat> Otherwise, I'm I'm tempted to react out of some other form. I mean, I get your I understand your your point. And I'm
1: not trying to put you on the spot to come up with an answer for right now.
2: Yeah, I guess I'm not seeing what you're saying. Okay. Um, yeah, because it almost sounds like it's conclusive despite... uh Yeah, it, it just feels like a stretch to me. Okay, so okay. That's cool.
0: No, that's good. That's good. I appreciate you
1: taking time to go through. So I had a problem with that, uh, with Baxter, Baxter's version of nine ten until I started thinking about Samson. Because from an outward point of view, looking at Samson, dirtbag. But the fact that Samson had the ear of God, not a dirt bag. Yeah. And looking at Manasseh and looking at all of the people that looking at all of the flawed heroes in the Bible. And even thinking about what happened in Israel just recently. have to recognize daddy in all of it because he is about restoration. And without knowing why something happens, I don't even know how to say this. That thing happened in Israel for a reason. Don't know what it was, but there's a reason for it. And it didn't get by daddy.
0: Now, you're not saying that God was the
1: author of the well, I'm, I'm not right. saying I that at all. That.
0: I'm not saying that at all. But that there, it, it happened for a combination of.
1: It, there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into that. Yeah. And so I, I have to believe that daddy's in all of that. I don't know. And I don't know how and, and, and why or but he's in all of that, Okay. Alan. Yeah, come on up.
0: Good to see you.
7: Did you,
8: I couldn't remember if my earlier slides had Jeremiah, um 23.
4: It
0: didn't.
8: No. It, it didn't? No. Okay. So I didn't see that second part. It was brought up in maybe the verses that we had looked at before, but then I thought of the verse, um, Jeremiah 23, 24, who can hide in the secret places so I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. I was looking at the chapter as well, and it was talking about people being scattered and the Lord's upsetness at the false prophets. And it seemed like something at the beginning of Jeremiah 23 also resonated. Um, Looking at verses three and four, I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I've driven them and will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. And especially verse four, it actually brought up fear. I will place shepherds over them who tend to, to them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified; nor will any be missing. Declares
0: the Lord. Hmm. So, it's a pretty broad promise. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that promise, so Jeremiah's promise uh, was prophesying into the exile, right? And and the exile was something that kind of was not turn away from because Josiah. We, we talked about that one time in the past. Josiah uh, was doing good. God said, "Well, I, you know, I won't." won't bring this to pass by his time. But so we're talking a pretty serious situation that in the midst of there was promises that he was there. Yeah. And and so recognizing that was probably advantageous for the people that were going through that struggle. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Is that is that kind of what you're seeing?
8: Yeah, and I just thought, well maybe his translation doesn't just pull from like Looking parallel to Proverbs right, nine, right, ten, right. and other verses, but just more of a whole look of Scripture.
0: I think that's kind of it. And, and and it kind of freaked me out a little bit. I was struggling a little bit because I, I wanted to go back and try to resolve it with word study. Right, but but no, it, it isn't a word study translation. It's mm-hmm. it's a translation. You're right that embraces the, the nature of who who this root of Jesse revealed the Father to be, yeah. and and yeah.
8: Yeah, and it even goes on to talk about in the next couple of verses the the root of Jesse. So it's yeah. kind of cool.
0: Grace God, that's awesome. Yeah, interesting. Anybody else?
7: Yeah.
1: Thanks. That was a great, great observation. Uh,
3: I I say I can uh, recognize and agree with sort of a uh, Baxter version of Albert. 9, um, chapter 9, verse 10, because God said we are made in his image. Mm-hmm. So based on that, I can you know
0: okay. see. Meaning how. that we can look at, at people and look for God in them. Yes. Because we're made in his image. Right. It's not just a wishful thinking or Pollyanna no. kind of
3: thing. Right. Well, based on the Bible, it's, it's, we all believe that. The word of God's truth and that's really established. Okay. Bible's right? word. I mean, yeah.
0: That's one way. Yeah. That's good.
3: Yeah. Okay. Another thing I was going to say is, you know, like when, why, well, you know, when there's evil, in event and stuff, but in the past, people mostly blame God because they don't understand. But there's also forces of evil at work, you know, that causes that thing to happen. So you can't always you know, blame God. And when you see people who are supposed to in God's image do a horrible thing, it's because um, they can be possessed by the evil forces that wants to hurt God's children mm-hmm. to get back at God, and it's operating through them. Now, sometimes, you know, they're possessed, but sometimes they operate to people who are not aware of who they are in God, so mm-hmm. they don't recognize that. There's see. a
0: lot of evil. that's it's that way, which would lend itself to that idea of trying to promote recognition of the presence of the world, even in those difficult circumstances. Yeah. It's hard sometimes, too, you know, like politics or <laughs> cultural things and social things. Yeah. Uh, it's really, really easy to to look and go, well, this is not God. And, and it's not God. I agree with you. So it's not God. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Oh, go ahead. One more. Yeah, one quick sentence.
3: Yeah, I, I'm, you know, sorry to say, I think we're entering uh, the dark ages now again. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot of time why all these bad things happen, why all this combination. We all can say we're heading toward the end time, which is true. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's like being enmeshed in the dark ages. Remember, before the age of enlightenment was the dark mm-hmm. ages, I think we're kind of going through that.
0: So if you, if, if, if you are preparing to face a, a dark age like that, do you think that you'll be facing it with the Lord, or that He's going to have to withdraw or something? Uh,
3: no, I, I think um, it'll be with the Lord. I think it's more uh, depend on me to recognize the presence of God where I am, and like uh,
0: the same. So way. even in the midst of the darkness, you're going to keep looking.
3: Yeah, I yeah. have to, you know, search deeper to recognize you know, God with me, and I think that's in order to recognize the Father, Son, and everybody. Needs, we have to train ourselves to see that. As a normal human being walk around, we don't do it necessarily. But it's a training. Very
7: good,
0: very
3: good. Tim? Yeah, I
7: found a a translation that kind of parallels uh, Baxter's thrust in his translation. Um, The Passion Translation translates that verse, uh, the starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Yahweh to receive the revelation of the holy one you must come to the one who has living understanding
0: yeah okay so it's an intera- another interactive one a recognition one a worship one right awesome awesome so what's your take on this do you do you think it's worth considering this uh this idea of interactive recognition worship as
7: i think it is, is. I think that's, you know, even if that wasn't the Old Testament understanding of reverence for God, I think that is the New Testament for us of what we live with.
0: I hadn't thought of it in terms of a shift in, in, in uh, progressive covenant revelation, but that could be something that, that, uh, he's speaking of a little bit too. Thinking about. Awesome. Any other thoughts?
7: That'll
0: do it. Thanks, man. Any other Zoomers up there? All right.
1: Terry.
7: So
2: during this whole time, I've been thinking of uh, Proverbs 24, 3 through 4. By wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established, and by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And that how wisdom is the bare bones of the house, all the support structures, all the um, load-bearing walls, all of that stuff. And depending on what your understanding is, is kind of how that develops. And then knowledge is all the decorating. And so, you know, you've got all the shows that they come in and they flip a house. And they bring it down to just the load-bearing walls and where it needs to be. And then they redo all the rooms and that's what God does in our lives is that we we create this house through wisdom and then he'll come in and give us a greater understanding which opens up things and it, it increases our living spaces and the way that we go into our house and um, and so it's an ever evolving um, encounter with with the father son and holy spirit with with the fear of the Lord coming in and increasing our capacity to have a bigger house within us.
0: You know, uh, read that verse one more time.
2: By wisdom a house is built and by understanding it is established and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all
0: precious and pleasant riches. So I remember the first time I heard that, when you read it, it just brought this back in Bible college. First time I heard somebody teaching on it. And I know, I remember vividly walking away from there with an incredible sense of personal responsibility to be wise, to have understanding, and to accumulate a bunch of knowledge. And and then the, the, the scripture that came to my mind is, unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. So the recognition that it's the Lord Literally doing those things as having, like Paul talked about in Corinthians, become wisdom for us mm-hmm. and then all that other stuff. So, yeah, that's really good. That's really good. I So you would say that there's something to this that fits into the bigger picture?
3: It's kind of like
2: the um, the protocol of how you can't have this until you have this, and you can't have this until you have this. Yeah. Or once you have this, then all of this stuff can come in, and then all this stuff can come in. But there's almost an order to it, otherwise it's um it's not firmly established
0: okay, praise Scott all right,
7: awesome Don? um our people I only know one person who never believed a lie and and i and I think much of what the evil we we see what we can think is the evil. It's people that are bought into some lies. The other thing that thought came to my head, or was thought, is um, who God is and who we are. We're His creation, and it's at me. It's a humbling, humbling, very humbling. Um,
0: Oh yeah, I think. Well,
7: but ask that question again, Larry.
0: We're lose the sight of who He created us to be. Oh no, no never. never. Yeah, we do. I think. You're, you know, we believe the lie. All kinds of things. Right, right, right. 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 Um,
7: but that's just um, that's just my thought. I and mean,
0: when we go back to the garden, it's about it was about a lie. Lie reminded me a little bit of that. Video we watched of that Arab guy that, that he had a whole picture of things until Jesus himself showed up in that picture, and then that was a very disruptive, disruptive act. All right, uh, got time for one more, if anybody, and then we're gonna ease over into worship and think about this. No zoomers, anybody, Laurel, I guess we're sort of ready. Oh, you got something? Sure, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were stretching there or something.
8: I'm going to read you the, these two different versions of, of Proverbs
4: 9.10. And you're
8: going to tell me if you think that both of those, if, if they feel that they're right to you. So Proverbs 9.10, one way that it says that in the Bible is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And then there's another version of how somebody's wording it, and he says the recognition of the sacred presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and every person, moment and place is the beginning of wisdom.
0: You wanna say? Yeah, come on coming up. What do you, so what do you think? Which one which one sounds good in your heart?
7: Well, to me it would be the second one. The second one? Mm-hmm.
0: When you think about the fear of the Lord, what do you think about? The, when somebody says, the, the fear of the Lord. Do you have a picture in your head or anything?
8: What do you picture? Is it happy
0: feelings? Yeah. Okay. More happy than afraid mm-hmm. or than scared or than terrified or something. Yeah. All right, cool. Awesome. Very good. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. All right. So I'll, I'll pass on to Baxter next time I see him that Sterling
1: voted for it. I'm sorry.